All right, good morning again. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Um, we're going to talk about celebrating today because, as I asked you earlier, it is Palm Sunday, so it's a time to celebrate. And, you know, we, we have these celebrations in life. It's, life is, you know, we have different kinds of celebrations. We have birthday celebrations, right? We have anniversary celebrations, if you remember. That's just a reminder to you guys. We have New Year's celebrations. We have different kinds of celebrations. But why do we have these celebrations? Why do we do it anyways? Just to point out that somebody's getting old or older? No, we do it like uh, Bruce said, to remember, to remember. And to think about this person, celebrate the person, celebrate what's going on. So, so for believers, we have a lot of things that we celebrate as part of our calendar. We don't make them like sacraments, but, but we celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? Christmas time we celebrate. Uh, we celebrate the death of Jesus, Good Friday. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on, on Easter. We have communion celebration, uh, you know, uh, on a regular basis to celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus and, and the fact that he's coming back for us. And so what does that have to do with this? We're celebrating Palm Sunday today, but the Jews had a lot of celebrations too. And they had, you know, festivals or you could call them feasts or whatever. And, and many times they did have, you know, certain foods that were kind of connected to them. But the Jews would have a lot of festivals. And, and Passover was like the biggest one, I would say. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is kind of like celebrating, you know, the, the fact that they, were, that they were free from Egypt. They got taken out the, the the exodus occurred and and the you know the passover was when the angel passed over those houses that had the the blood of the lamb over the door and on the sides of the door and so they'd celebrate these things you know every year to remember everything that god had done and and they were and the lord told him you need to celebrate every year these are the certain things and and even three times a year you know they were there were more than three festivals or feasts but three times a year the lord said you need to come into jerusalem and celebrate these three specific things and one of them was this passover three times a year it reminded me of of this verse in in luke where it said every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for what? The festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. That was when, when you know, Jesus kind of wandered off and, and they found him in the temple later on. But, but, but the point of it is that every year they would go. Every year, Jesus, they'd pack up the family, they'd go to Jerusalem for this festival to celebrate. Why am I bringing this up? You'll see... Look at verse 12 in John chapter 12. This is the context. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They were there for the feast. This is the, the feast of Passover. Jesus and his family went every year. But this particular year... Jesus is now coming into Jerusalem, and it's a very special occasion. They heard that Jesus was coming. 
Jesus is coming to the festival. He is, he's on his way as we speak. Something is different about this particular time. Because he'd been there many, many times. And he did kind of shake things up when he was 12. Right? And he went there and, and you know, he's kind of blowing the minds of the, the religious teachers. And, and those that, you know, were, you know, he was asking them questions. And they didn't really, he, he really, he was the one that knew all the answers. The New Living, uh, New Living Bible, uh, New Living Testament says this uh, about this verse. It says that the news swept through the city that Jesus was coming. You know, this is before any kind of social media, right? Now we have, you know, we rely on social media to get the word around and all that. This is way before that. Something special was happening here. Yes, they were celebrating the Passover. The crowd was huge, as it always was. This is like the number one feast to celebrate. But Jesus is coming now, and they'd heard about him. They'd heard that this this guy, Jesus, there's something about him. He's doing miracles out there. He's talking, he's he's teaching, he's got these words, and, and they would listen to him. They said, we've never heard anybody speak like this. He had authority when he spoke. Not like the... Scribes and Pharisees, he had, he had real authority. Why is that? We know why is that. But, but at the time, they didn't really know. And so Jesus is now coming into Jerusalem. Jesus is coming. There's this excitement. There's this thing happening here. This is the beginning now of what we call the last week, right? And, and they have titled this the triumphal Entry Now, at the time, they weren't, you know, walking around saying it's the triumphal entry that's happening. They were there. It was all just occurring. But we now looking back, that's what we've titled it because because it is so special, so powerful, something so real about it. We're celebrating this. But again, we can have celebrations and we just go, oh, yeah, it's the Palm Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, pass around the palm leaves, shake them and whatever we do. We'll and we'll have donuts. This was way, way more than that. This is Passover. They're all, the, the, the excitement is already there. But now that Jesus is coming to take, to take part in all of this, and, and we look back and call it the triumphal entry. Look at verse 13. What does it say? It says, they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. To meet who? Jesus. They had come for to celebrate Passover they heard Jesus was coming. Now they said, we're going we're gonna to go out to meet him. And they're shouting. Now they're not just whispering. They're shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. This is radical what's happening here, folks. This isn't just some little celebration. This is intense. This is enthusiastic. And, and you know, for you and I, I think we, sometimes we, we're just kind of glum. We need to understand, and that's why we need, and we're going to see the disciples, they didn't really understand either. They're going like, whoa, what's every, what, why is everybody shouting? Why, what is going on here? The, the Pharisees and them, they're, they're like going, hey. As a matter of fact, they say, they said to the disciples, you got to shut them all up. you got to shut this down. Anybody remember what Jesus' response was to that? If they remain quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones 
themselves will cry out. So anyways, they, they're taking palm branches, and, and this, is, by the way, is found in all four Gospels. But they, they talk specifically in, in this account here about the palm branches. They took these palm branches, they went out to meet him. You go like, what is that all about? What, what's the palm branch thing? Like, palm branch? You know, to us, when, when I talk about palm branches and palm trees, what do you think of? Florida, of course. Some of you just got back from Florida. You, like, you come up here, you go, where's all the palm trees? Oh, there ain't none. Unless you have one in your house. California, by the way, has a lot of palm trees too. Southern California, not Northern California. Southern California. My daughter loves palm trees. But to the Jewish people, let's get back on track here. To the Jewish people, the palm tree was like a national symbol. It was a symbol for the nation of Israel. And so, so you got you to put this picture together here. They're coming out. They're there to celebrate Passover, but they're grabbing palm branches now. And they're going out to meet Jesus. Going out to meet Jesus. This, this, there's something going on here that isn't just like, hey, we're just, you know, we're hot. We're going to use this to fan everybody. No, they, spread, they even spread their coats in the road. They, they spread the palm branches out on the road. They had all these things. This, this national symbol was very, very important to them. The Feast of Tabernacles, uh, where they would live in booths or little shacks, little kind of sheds. And, and you see it, it you know, there, there's a... There's a, a a synagogue not far from where I live, and they put up a little, little. it looks like a little lean-to kind of thing, and they cover it with palm branches, and the Bible talks about covering that with palm branches. But what, what even strikes me more is in the, in the middle of the temple, this is what it says in 1 Kings 6. It says, on the walls all around the temple, in both the inner rooms and the outer rooms, he carved cherubim, Palm trees and open flowers. Everywhere inside the temple itself, they were carved in there. And, and, and this beautiful picture of, of cherubim, palm trees, and, and open flowers. This is something going on here. I'm, I'm making a point of this because it's so important. This was, this was, there was a message here. We see it in the words that they say, but we also see it in the palm branches that they were carrying. You know that from way, way back, the, uh, the coins in Israel have, have what on them? Look at that. Now this, this particular coin is from the time of Herod Antipas, which was in the time of Jesus. And that, it might not look so much like a palm, but it is a palm. And this is the current 10 shekel coin now on the back side of the 10 shekel coin. What is it? It's palm. It's a palm tree. Again, it's a national symbol. I asked my son about this. He's living in Israel and, and uh, we don't know how much longer he's going to be living in Israel. His visa runs out in July. Pray for them. But he said this, he said the palm frond was a, was a royal Jewish symbol at the time of Jesus. Herod Antipas used it on his coins and the people laying palm fronds is a clear sign that they think that Jesus is the messianic king. The king of Israel, the king, the Messiah. 
When they, when they went out there, they shouted this Hosanna. They, they shouted it and they brought the symbol of a king. The national symbol. This is something going on here. It's, it's no, no question why they were so excited. Why were they shouting? Because they thought the king is coming and they shouted out this word Hosanna. And again, we sang it in a song and it, it, it became a, a praise. But, but really, uh, it, it literally means save us or save us now or save now. And it was, a, it was really kind of a prayer that, that became a praise. But that's what they're doing. Save us. Save us now. Again, did they really, really understand? That Got Questions website says this, Hosanna is often thought of as a declaration of praise similar to hallelujah, but it's actually a plea for salvation. They're quoting really from Psalm 118, which says this, Save us, we pray, O Lord. And the Hebrew word, uh, for deliver and save and beg or beseech or pray, they combine to form this word in English, which is Hosanna. Literally means I beg you to save or please deliver us. That's what they were saying. And, and, and as I said, this is like a, a, a prophecy that came out of Psalm 118, which is like 1,000 years before. If there's one thing about the Bible, we see that it is full of prophecy and and every prophecy that is in the scripture will ultimately be fulfilled. Ultimately, each one. But Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies. It was just insane. Just here alone, there are two major prophecies that he fulfills. But we're. We're seeing this enthusiasm now. We're seeing this incredible emotion. The crowds are there. And, and we're kind of seeing it, we're seeing it in the news a lot now. Uh, if you, you know, can stomach watching the news. But we see all these crowds, right? Mostly they're protests, right? We see it, we see it right now in the nation of Israel. The left and the right, and they're both protesting over this and over that and, and, and what's going on there. We see it in France happening over this issue, that issue. We've seen it in Iran recently. We see it in all these different places, these huge crowds with all kinds of emotion. And they're like really, really enthusiastic about whatever their cause is. This is what's happening here, but it's it's more of a prayer. It's more of a, a, a thing. They wanted him to save them. Now, did they really understand? Did they really understand that he was a Messiah? They thought that he was the Messiah, I think. I believe they did. But what, did, what really did they want him to do? What were they asking him to do? They were wanting him to save them, but they were wanting him to save them from what? From Rome. Because they were pretty much under the thumb, the thumb of Rome. So, so they were looking for this political Messiah, really. That's really what they thought. And the Bible certainly does talk about Messiah coming and taking over and ruling and reigning and that, that setting you know, the nation free. And, and it's certainly that is certainly a facet of what Messiah will do. 
They wanted salvation from Rome. But first they needed salvation from sin. First they needed salvation from sin. That question says the crowds, they looked for a Messiah who would rescue them politically and free them nationally, but Jesus had come to save them spiritually. First things first. And mankind's primary need is spiritual, not political or cultural or national. Really makes me think about life, you know. We get stirred up and I get... I get stirred up about a lot of the political stuff that's happening, believe me. But our first need is spiritual. The first thing we need is not, you know, not, you know, get this person in that office or whatever, or get this, you know, legislation or that or whatever. Our first need is Jesus. And, and they did not really understand that. And I think so many times you and I don't understand. We start to think about all the stuff's going on. And there is a lot going on. It, it makes your head spin, really. And it, in fact, I think it's depressing when you think about what's going on in the world. But our biggest need and what the world needs is more than anything else is, is Jesus. Now, will they find him? You know, I, I, I think when you read again the prophecies about, about what is going to happen at some point in time, the Bible talks about, you know, an antichrist that they will follow and you know believe and listen to and that that will come onto the scene that won't be the true Christ that's that will be certainly fulfilled as i said every single prophecy in the bible will be fulfilled but jesus is coming now and, and in fact if you read the the prophecy in psalm 118 it says oh lord save us oh lord Save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. This is what they are saying here now in John chapter 12. They said, they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're quoting this scripture from Psalm 118. 1,000 years before. They've been waiting a long time. They've been waiting for Messiah. You and I wait five minutes and we start to get impatient. Is that true? Some of you are waiting right now for me to finish. I already got that. I can see you're like mouths watering. I've told you about the donuts already. That's all you can think about. But sometimes we need to understand and we need to, to, to wait. This is the one now that they had been waiting for. Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one. In both the Hebrew and in the Greek. In the Greek language, it's Christ. In the Hebrew language, it's Messiah. But it, they both mean the same thing, anointed one, which means this is the one that was chosen, the anointed one to come and bring what we need. Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed, the one who, that we've been waiting for, the one that they had been waiting for for a thousand years the one that you and I have been waiting for. And, and, and Jesus was then, and he is now, the one that we've been waiting for. People just don't understand. They didn't understand what he came to do. They didn't understand what they really needed. They wanted him to come and like smash Rome, set up the kingdom now, 
And we are going to be in like Flynn, whatever that means. He came at this point, though, and he didn't come as a political Messiah. I believe we need to be involved politically, but Jesus didn't come primarily as a political Messiah. He came as a spiritual Messiah, and you and I need to understand that. The first need that we have is Jesus. I love that song uh, Danny Gokey sings, Everybody Needs Jesus. You know that song? Some of you heard it? I love that. I sent it to my sister. She says, that's a really nice song. I said, I'm going, yeah, pay attention. <laughs> we all need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need him to save us. Not just the current situation that they were in, not just our current political situation, not just their current political situation. We need Jesus to save us for all eternity. This is, a, this is an eternal thing. Because the truth is, you get somebody into office, guess what? So many years down the road, you're going to get somebody else into office, and they might do something else different. Jesus is an eternal Messiah, an eternal Savior. We, we get so caught up in just what's happening here, we lose all sight, we lose all hope about what's really happening. I read in some devotional, he's saying, you know what? You need to look up. You need to look up. God sees the big picture. He sees the eternally. And this is certainly a triumphal entry. No question about it. Jesus said in Mark 8, 36, a very powerful verse that says this, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit or lose his soul? You can have everything else. You can have everything that you think should be happening. You can have all the finances, all the, uh, the stuff of this world, all the, the things that you think should be right. And yet, forfeit your own soul. They could be free from Rome. Jesus could have came in and, and set up you know, the kingdom free them from the bondage to Rome, but they would still be in bondage to sin and they would still be heading to a place called hell. That's true. Jesus said, first things first. The first thing I need to do is save you from your sin. And that's why he came. Incredible picture in heaven. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. You should be able to find that one very easily. Revelation chapter 7, those of you that, that are new to the faith, it's the last book in our Bibles. Revelation chapter 7. This is incredible. John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. Talk about a great crowd in Jerusalem at that particular time. This is now in heaven. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were, they were wearing white robes. And look at this. They were holding palm branches in their hands. What a picture is that? 
And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Is that incredible? Now, the people in Jerusalem, you know, they're saying, Hosanna, save now. And they've got the palm branches, but they didn't really understand what was going on, honestly. But I can tell you what, these, this crowd here, this multitude, these angels and everybody else there in this picture, they know what's happening. And they've got the palm branches and they're crying out about salvation. And they, they can't come up with enough words to give thanks, to give praise. They fall on their faces before the Almighty Creator, before the Lamb. And the Lamb is who? Jesus, of course. Jesus. Back in John chapter 12, we see... We see a <clears throat> verse 12, excuse me, in the <clears throat> verse 14. It says, Jesus found a young donkey and he sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. This is another prophecy that Jesus has now fulfilled. Now, he wasn't coming to be the king like they were expecting, but he certainly was and is and always will be a king. The king of kings, the scripture talks about it. But he comes now, and this prophecy was like 500 years. 500 years now. This prophecy found in in the book of uh, Zechariah. One of the things that that passage has says as well that they don't quote here, which is kind of interesting, He says, see your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. Having salvation. So that's what he came to do is to bring salvation, but not in the way that that they were thinking. So notice the, the words in this prophecy is, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. They were shouting, save us, save us. Zechariah said, don't be afraid. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to do. That's exactly what he was doing. Now, this is what they're praying for, right? But in their minds, they were thinking, this is what that means. But Jesus, in his mind, in his heart, he knew exactly what he came to do. And it wasn't what they had expected. How often do you and I pray like that? Dear God, I want you to do this and... And can you, and then we sometimes say at the end of it, not my will, but yours be done. But I think we really kind of don't always really mean that. Because we have a picture of what he thinks, what we think that he should do. But he says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. Look what it says in verse 16, the last verse we're going to look at. He says, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. And that they had done these things. 
to him. Notice the the crowd didn't understand, but even his own disciples they didn't understand. Do we understand? It says that only after Jesus was glorified, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. What does that mean? Only, Only after he had been glorified. When was that? When did that take place? It took place at the cross. It took place at the resurrection. John chapter 12. Jesus said this. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So he he was speaking about his death. John chapter 13, it says this, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, at the last supper, and Judas is the one who's going to betray him, as soon as he had taken the bread, Judas went out and it was night, it was dark. And when he was gone, Jesus said this, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. It was at the cross. It says it here, only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize? John chapter 2, earlier in the gospel, it says, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. After he was crucified and after he rose from the dead, It's like the lights came on. Of course, the Holy Spirit was was giving them the understanding to understand. But you know what? This is all in the light of the cross and the resurrection. All in in the light of the cross and the resurrection. You and I have that advantage. They didn't know. They didn't understand it at that time. But you and I, now we can look back and we can see this is what it's all about. We celebrate Palm Sunday and and they shouted, Hosanna, save us now. But Jesus, he entered, entered Jerusalem, but he had a plan that wasn't necessarily their plan. But you know what? It was a better plan. And, and I know for a fact, and I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again, is that God's plan is always the best plan. His ways are not our ways. They're better ways. And he entered Jerusalem to save. But it was an eternal salvation. It wasn't just a temporary salvation. It's eternity. And you and I, when we trust in Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection, that he died for me, that he died for you, that he rose from the dead, he gives us eternal life. That's the gospel. That's what we celebrate. That's what we, we have Palm Sunday. We have Good Friday. We have Easter. That's what we come together to celebrate. And, 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 and for us to just say, oh, another Palm Sunday... Oh, another, another Good Friday. Oh, the truth is, it, it is a message that we, that we hear each and every year. But you know what? We need to get back to the, to, the, to the heart of the matter and say, God, you save. You saved me 
from certain destruction, certain eternity without you. He's going to return the second time and he, he promises that he will rule and he will reign. And we've got to be patient for that, of course. Friday, we're going to celebrate Good Friday. Interesting. There's more shouting on Good Friday, too. They weren't, they weren't shouting Hosanna, though, were they? What were they shouting? Crucify him. It's interesting when you think about it and you put those two words together. It kind of makes sense. Because the only way that we can be saved is through the cross, through the crucifixion of our Savior Jesus. And then the resurrection brings it all together for us. Let's pray together, shall we? Our great and glorious God, our Savior, we thank you that you came that, that morning or that day into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. It was not a war horse, but it was a, a horse that kings rode on, the donkey, the, the animal that the kings rode on and brought peace, peace to our hearts, peace between us and God. We thank you for that, for that last week, that that triumphal entry, and then, and then everything that took place that week. Father, I pray you'd remind us this week, even as we're, as we're caught up in the, the things of our daily lives, that, that we remember what you came to do and, and why you did it. It's because you loved us. Ultimately, it's because you loved us. We thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that one day we'll be in front of the throne and we'll be with that great multitude shouting and, and exclaiming and falling on our faces and worship and praise to the, the almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray you'd fire us up a little bit here in this world that like that gal this morning, we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe. Father, give us opportunities. Even in this week, perhaps people say, oh, it's Easter. Give us an opportunity. Give us boldness to say, yeah, Jesus died for us and he rose from the dead. And he saves those who trust in him. Each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?